Good morning, everyone. I don't think it's that big of a deal. That I'm, I the moment you've been waiting for. I don't know about that. It's a little, a little bit too much. <laughs> well, how is everybody's summer going? Good. How many of you have had vacation already? How many of you are going to have some vacation in August? It's good. Need to take some time off. Uh, apparently, I had some time off, but my wife had me in the garage and in the basement and in the backyard. She tried to send me on the roof, but I said no. Um, but uh, yeah, we had some good time off together. It's interesting when your kids are working, you can't do as much, but it's awesome for them to work. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being here on a long weekend. If you are joining us online this morning, we're going to be receiving communion together. So we know you can get some stuff uh, in your kitchen to join us as we uh, receive the Lord's Supper today. And we'll be able to do that here in the room also with the elements that we have provided. All right, we are starting a brand new series today called All My Attention. And it's really, the part of the series is for us to take a bit of an inventory of what we're doing with our attention. And my wife and I are in the process of you know, going through our budget. And then for you to go through your budget, you have to know where you're spending money already if you're gonna make some adjustments. So it's the same way with our attention. Where is my attention going? And if we don't know what we're doing with our thought life, with our emotions, uh, with the energy that we're putting out, if we don't have an accurate idea of where all of that is happening and what's happening on the inner part of me and what's happening in my thought life and what is happening with my emotions and where am I spending my time and where am I spending my resources, we won't be able to make those adjustments. And what we do with our attention is really important from the scriptures. And uh, the word attention, we could actually use also worship. This idea that we're giving our thoughts and our, and our heart to different things in our lives. So we wanna focus on that and think about that for the next little while. I don't know if you've ever worked a job where you had to take inventory. It's a very tedious job. I know one of the first jobs that I had um, in the summertime when I was 16, I worked at a car dealership. It was a fairly large car dealership and they had a whole parts department that served their service center. And in this parts department, they approximated that they had over a million parts. And so one of the jobs that you give the interns, and we've had some great interns this summer, and they've been doing some jobs that they didn't want to do, but it's been good for them to grow up a little bit, because uh, that's what life is like, that you don't always get to do what you want to do. Amen, parents in the room. <clears throat> One day you will, but not when you're 16. Um, so when I was 16, this job, they're going, hey, we need you to go do an inventory of 1 million parts. And you've got a month to do it. Now, how many know this is not happening? They just wanted, I mean, partly, I think they were just giving me something to do because I knew this was going to be an impossible task. But so you would go and you look up the computer and then there would be a part number and there would be a spot on the shelf. And these were, you know, the, the parts department was almost as big as this room, racks about 10 feet tall and all of these individual spaces that were numbered and the part that you were looking for was supposed to be in this numbered area. So you'd have to go to the computer, get the number, go to the spot, is it there, how many are there, and then re-enter it into the system. And this is what we're gonna be doing this, uh, this month, a little bit with our attention, with our thoughts, our emotions, the emotional energy that we're giving out. Where is all of that going? You know, in, in the world that we're living in today, if you, any poll that you've seen, 
that generally speaking, people are less religious. You know, they're no, the nuns or no religion or less religious than we used to be as a nation. Different places in the world are actually having the reverse of that. But in the Canadian context, we could say that people would identify, as a big word at the moment, uh, as less religious. But the reality is the same amount of worship is going out. People are less religious, but people still worship like they always did. They're just not worshiping God. They're just not giving their attention to God. Because all of us are wired for worship. All of us are wired to give out affection on the inside of us. And if there isn't a God there, we're gonna give our affection to other things. The word worship or praise, we'll use these a little bit interchangeably in this series, would mean honor, reverence, worth, respect, admiration, devotion. And we do all of these things. There are things in our lives that we're honoring and reverencing and there's something in our life that has the ultimate worth. We are respecting something, admiration, devotion. We are devoted to something. And again, our culture would say, yeah, we're, we're not religious anymore. We're not like the ancients. We're way more sophisticated. We're may, way more educated now. We don't believe in worship anymore, but they actually do worship all of the time. And if you ever listen to an atheist talk, they are worshiping just like the most religious person out there. They're just worshiping their own thoughts. And so we want to take inventory and, and to know what am I doing with my worship? What am I doing with my attention? Because God desires to be worshiped. And it's not because God is insecure and he needs us to tell him how great he is, <coughs> but the benefit for us to have our creator at the center of our hearts is so important because if we put any created thing there, it gets our life off track. It's been said that the Greeks looked at God or tried to, under, to understand God and the Jewish people, the Hebrews, they looked at God and the first thing that they thought is he needs to be worshiped. And it is a big difference. If, if, our, if our thought about God is I just need to conceptualize, I just need to understand, I just need to philosophize about who God is and we need to have proper thoughts about God. But if the first thought that we have about God is I really need to understand this infinite being, me as a finite being trying to understand this infinite being, who is the creator of all things, how many know that our intellect is gonna fall short? But if we start out with worship, to be in awe of the creator. Have you ever looked at the solar system? You ever watched like a YouTube video about one of those videos where they show how big Earth is and the planets in our solar system and then the sun, how big it is, and then they go out to these other solar systems and these other suns, these other stars are just gigantic in relation to our star. It's an amazing thing to think about creation and God created all of these planets. And we should be in awe of creation, not to be like, well, God, how did you do it? You're n <laughs> he could tell you, you still wouldn't understand it. <clears throat> so the proper disposition for us is to worship. See, when there's divine action, the human response should be worship. Worship is the foundational impulse built into all human beings and will be expressed in some way 
It will be expressed toward created things or towards its ordained focus, which is God, the creator. Worship is all about God and pertains to me only in that I get to be in relationship with him. I share in this privilege of the act of communion, and that's what we're going to be receiving at the end of service together today. And what does it mean, communion? It means a sharing in common, that I'm communing with God. We shouldn't, when we receive communion together, it can become a very religious thing and just something over and over again, it kind of loses its meaning, but it's not supposed to do that. We are supposed to be, oh, God, I need to think about God. I need to give my attention to God in this moment. And that is what communion is all about. It's not about the wafer or the juice or whatever uh, churches might be receiving in communion. It is about us giving our attention, our heart, our affection to God. So does what I'm giving my attention to warrant it? It Is what I'm thinking about and, and where I'm giving out my emotions to thoughts and things and people Do all of those things actually warrant my attention and my affection? Because here's some places that our attention can go, really just to our thoughts. We can give so much attention to our thoughts without even thinking, where does this thought come from? Is this thought worth thinking? Do you ever think about that? Because you need to think about what you're thinking about. And you need to ask yourself the question, is what I'm thinking about worth thinking about? There's another really good question about your thoughts. What is the source of the thought that you're thinking? Is it actually sourced in the goodness of God, the love of God, the redemption of God? Or is it just something from culture? Is it just something that I'm watching on one of the screens that I'm watching? Is it just something coming through the news? that gets me all worked up, gets me all sad, gets me all confused? Is that thought that I'm thinking worth thinking about? Because our thoughts can paralyze us. If we think about the wrong thing, our thoughts truly can paralyze us. And what is that? That's worship. It's attention. It's reverence. It's honor. And sometimes we don't even know if what we're thinking about is worth thinking about. We're just thinking, well, here's a thought. I guess I'll think it. This person is thinking it, so maybe I'll think it. But is it worth thinking about? Where is it taking your life? The thought that you're thinking, what types of words does it cause you to say? What types of actions does it cause you to make? Because that's our thoughts. Source our words, and they source our actions. And if we're worshiping the wrong words, we're sending our lives in a wrong direction. Emotions, how about our emotions? No, some people would accuse me of not being an emotional person, kind of like everybody I know, but (laughs) I do do actually have emotions, (laughs) but I am more logically bent. And it's not better or worse than somebody who's more emotional first. But we all have emotions and we all are feeling certain things based on actions we take, choices we make. Or how about this? The actions somebody else takes. 
Has anyone ever been hurt by the actions of somebody else? Can't that be debilitating? Those emotions that we feel, if we've ever gone through a breakup, if we've ever gone through a divorce, if we've ever been betrayed by a friend, what is that thing? Because it doesn't exist in the material world, but it's emotions that we're feeling on the inside. And it actually has no physical substance, but it has a spiritual substance. And it can affect our lives if we give all of our attention to our emotions. This is what I'm feeling. This is big. In this cultural moment where we live, hey, what are you feeling? This is this, and it takes you there, and it's blah, 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 and they're going to define your whole life, but what you're feeling on the inside. And again, do we ask ourselves, should I be centering my life around the emotions that I'm feeling right now? Where does this emotion come from? Is it sourced in the love of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God? Or is it just coming from people and things and culture, this is what I'm feeling in this moment. Is it worth giving all of my attention to? Here's something that's true in the world today is polarization. Every, every, everything that comes up in the world today is like everybody, you know, digs in and has got to have a big opinion on either side of every argument and you know, something comes up and was Will Smith's apology this week good enough? <laughs> Let's weigh in. And yes, but no, but yes, but no. Ah. And everything is like this. Everything we have to like weigh in. We have to like give some opinion. And part of the reason that we are here now is it because people are worshiping their opinions without just realizing their opinions are their opinions, not supposed to be worshiped. And ultimately, it's the worship of self because, okay, we're just not gonna be religious anymore. We're gonna be educated and sophisticated, but I'm just gonna give all of my attention to me and what I think. And the people that think like me, I like them. And the people that don't think like me, I don't like them. And we're just going to be polarized and there's going to be no break. Because why? We're less religious theoretically, but the worship going out is the same. And if we don't give our attention, if we don't give God, the creator God, his rightful place in our hearts, our lives get off track. This is why God wants us to worship him, the creator, the savior, the giver of life. He's the only one that deserves that place of attention in our hearts. Otherwise, our thoughts will be there. Um, our emotions will be there. Our opinions will be there. Do you, do you see any correlation between those three things? Me. And we live in a culture of the worship of self. <clears throat> opinions of others. We can give all of our attention to the opinions of others. We can give all of our attention 
to politics and politicians. And if you think about it, if we don't have God there, these other physical leaders that we will see, we will place a savior complex on them from our heart. Well, they're going to fix the nation. They're going to fix the province. They're going to fix the city. And we're giving our attention to people, circumstances. And we can worship circumstances and think about it and think about it and give our attention and there's no way out and how are we gonna, how are we gonna deal with the economy? How are we gonna deal with inflation? How are we gonna deal with rising interest rates? How are we gonna deal with my mom and my mother-in-law and my husband and my wife and my kids and the circumstances that flow out of all of these things? And all of my attention can just go to the circumstances that we're facing. Tell them I said hi. Everyone worships. It is the disposition of the human heart and the human psyche. Everyone worships all of the time, every day. What are we giving our attention to? What are we giving our worship to? We're going to read you a story here from the Old Testament that will be forever true. And it captures the heart of mankind. It it captures the predicament that we find ourselves in in 2022. It's a story found in Exodus 32, about 12 chapters after the Ten Commandments were given. God is continuing with Moses up on the mountain, giving them the instructions for the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting, for worship and all these different civil laws, all these different things that are going on that God is giving to the children of Israel. Now think about it. This is the same group that just came through the Red Sea miraculously. And the Egyptian soldiers were all drowned behind them and God worked miraculous works in their midst, in their sight. And Moses is too long up on the mountain talking to God. And what do they do? Like, oh, what? We need to worship. We we can't be patient for Moses to come down and give us the instructions from God to give us these commandments. And what are they gonna do? Exodus 32, verse one says this. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain. Have you ever faced any delays in your life? Have you ever been trusting God for something and it went longer than you wanted it to? What can happen in those moments is that we can start to give our worship to something else, to someone else, to other thoughts. So Moses, the guy that, Walk through the Red Sea with a stood, Charlton Heston. <laughs> the edge of the Red Sea, the waters parted. <laughs> Gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, this Moses, wow, that's fast. The man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off your rings of gold that are in your ears, your wives and sons and your daughters, or bring them to be. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. There's a lot of earrings, friends. (laughs) It's a popular accessory back then. Verse four, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. 
And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings, brought a peace offering. Now, this is all to the God that they created. People sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way I commanded them and they have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And this will always be true. If we don't worship the creator, we will worship an it, a created thing. Thoughts, emotions, circumstances, people, my feelings, all of these are created things. What, what did God say to Moses? Man, they've corrupted themselves. Why? Because their worship was going in the wrong direction. They gave the highest spot in their hearts and their attention to something that's created. And everything except the creator is a created thing. So we have to do an inventory of our attention and our emotions and our feelings. And is all of it going to created things? Isn't this corrupting ourselves? Giving all of our attention into our affection just to, to a thing that we could actually fashion with our hands. But God is the only one that deserves our affection, the center of our attention. Well, so what is, the, what is the thing that we should do? Psalm 33, verse one says this, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Now, worship and praise is not just relegated to singing. It is what we do in the first part of our service and it is what we, do, what we will always do at the first part of our service. And the reason we're doing that is we're giving attention to God first, right? And, you know, and, and, I, and I, I made light of it, but it is also true. The moment you are waiting for it should really ultimately have nothing to do with me. I'm just a person. And this can happen to us too. We can get our affection and our attention on preachers. Has anyone ever known and I know this to be true because this has happened my whole life. Has anyone ever known a preacher or a pastor to like mess up? Yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't give all of our affection and our attention. Some of you answered so fast. <laughs> I, like to, I like to hear that story because I've got a bunch for you. Thanks, babe. I've got a bunch to share with you as well about all of the pastors and preachers that I've known. But here's all the reality about all of the pastors and preachers. They're all imperfect, me included. So we don't worship the delivery guy. <laughs> the UPS guys. If you work for UPS, you're awesome, but you're not the most important thing. The package. 
that we, we get from you is the most important thing. The word of God that I would give is the most important thing or any pastor or preacher. Amen. And so many people have, oh, so-and-so fell and so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we, and then they, they decide not to serve God. Well, their, their faith was in the wrong thing. Our faith, our attention should go to God. And so when we come and we gather, we sing, we worship, we give our attention to God. And the reason we give attention to how we lead worship and we want our team to rehearse and we want the, the singers to be prepared is because we think the worship of God is a really important thing. Amen. Amen. I don't apologize for all of the effort that goes into our worship service. We are worshiping God. We wanna do it with excellence. And it would be more of a distraction if our team showed up at like five to nine, like, hey, we're just gonna wing it this morning. You wouldn't be able to worship God. The, t- the, t- the drums would be off. The guitars would be off. The singers would be looking, am I harmony? You, Melody, am I leading this? I don't know. It would be a mess. Scripture says, do all things decently and in order. We have orderly worship in here, and we don't apologize for it. <clears throat> it was extra. Sing joyfully toward, to the Lord. So when you come on Sunday, don't stare at the team. Sing. Amen. That doesn't mean everybody should record. But everybody should sing. Come on now. Sing or worshiping God. Him first. It's the right thing. It's fitting for the upright to praise him. It's the right thing to do, to worship God. See, when I get my affections ordered correctly, God helps me to prioritize my affections. See, if I put God first, if I magnify God first, then God helps me to order my affections then to my family. But I don't worship my family, I worship God And then the communion that I have with God, he gives me strength and he gives me grace to love my family. But you gotta start with worshiping God. What's gonna make you a better husband, guys, if you put God first, it'll help you love your wife better. Ladies, if you put God first, it will help you love your husbands better. But don't put your husband first. That's just a man. And if you give all of your attention and affection to your husband, first, you're not gonna be, you've got it wrong. You've got it disordered. And then they're gonna disappoint you and then you're, you know, because we're all human beings. We order our affection first to God and then he will help prioritize my affection. So as we finish here, three quick questions. What am I magnifying? Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Magnify him with thanksgiving. Have you ever used a magnifying glass or you've looked under a microscope and the thing that you're looking at under the magnifying glass or microscope becomes bigger to you. It doesn't actually become bigger, but it becomes bigger to you. 
And so we magnify the Lord. How do we do that? How do we make the actual big creator saving God bigger to me? I magnify him with thanksgiving. And this is why a big part of our praying, a big part of our worship is thank you, God, for your salvation. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. And what is all of that doing? It's magnifying God. It's giving God his rightful place in my, with my attention, with my affection. Thank you. Magnify him with thanksgiving. So what am I magnifying? What am I making bigger? My thoughts, thoughts from culture, what I'm feeling in this moment, the circumstances, how I've been hurt. Now, all of those things, God has something to say about all of those things, and God wants to help you through all of those things. So when we give our attention and we give our worship and we give our praise to him, he helps us with all of those things. We had a great worship set this morning. Unless you were dead, you were encouraged, or unless you were grumpy, like, going to watch this team today. Like, don't bother, okay? <laughs> if you let that team lead you this morning, you were reminded about the goodness of God. Amen. We magnified God. We made him bigger to us. Number two, how am I perceiving my future? God has thoughts for your future, for your family, for the stuff for you to do next, for what he's leading you to. Am I I nervous about my future? When When I look out on the days ahead, do I look with fear and trepidation? Or do I know that God has gone out before me? What am I giving? How am I thinking about the future? Psalm 71, verse 14. But I will hope continually. And I will praise you yet more and more. Hope, this joyful expectation about the future. And I'm worshiping God regarding my future. I'm thanking God that he is guiding my steps. That he is helping me to make the next right step. I'm I'm hopeful you have some sort of five-year plan. But your five-year plan is not going to happen tomorrow. You could take a step tomorrow. And God can lead you in that step. And that's what that thought is about our future. God, I know that you have a good future for me. And I, I want to get up today. I want to walk out that future. And I could be excited about the future, regardless of what's coming on the news. Because God is the one in charge of my future. Not any person, not the news, not any political leader. God, I'm putting my trust in God. And I'll laugh at the rest of the people. <laughs> Come on, now, just people prognosticating. They're giving us, here's the vision for the next five years. Well, God has a vision for my next five years, and that's the vision that I want to walk out. Amen. Amen. Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? This is, I love this. Think about what this is saying. The psalmist is asking themselves about their thoughts and their emotions. Because we can worship these things. Why? Why are you cast down on my soul? 
Why are you in turmoil within me? Maybe the thoughts that I'm thinking aren't worth thinking. And the emotions that I'm feeling, maybe I need to let God heal those. Because I don't want them to derive. Listen, if you felt pain from your past, isn't it better to let God heal that than to take that into the future? Because you don't want that thing, that person that didn't care about you from your past, you don't want that to stain your future. Here's who cares about you right now, is God does. And his thoughts and his emotions are stronger and better and more worth thinking about than the person who hurts you. So let's not take those bruised, broken emotions, this is for somebody this morning, into your future. Let's open up. God, thank you that you heal the brokenhearted. I'm not going to take this pain about what they said and what they did to me. God, you love me. You care about with me. God, you are with me to the end. God will be with you to the end, regardless of what happens, who leaves you, who hurts you. Esteban, come on and play some piano for me, wherever you are, so I can shut this down. <laughs> See, I haven't preached for five weeks, and I'm trying not to make up for it this morning, but <laughs> Psalm 59, verse 16, but I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. I love it. It's the good instruction there. In the morning. Why? Because you want to start your day with thinking about God and who he is over all the rest of the things that I've mentioned today. Start with God. Start your day with God, his strength, his love, his power, his forgiveness, I will sing of your strength. You, you need to be, you, I have a song that I sing that one of my Bible school instructors used to sing. And it's just, it's just a couple words, but you need to find a song like that that you could sing. Just something small that just reminds you about God. And it's just a few words. I trust you. I love you. Just, and it just brings me back when I'm feeling that turmoil, when I'm feeling that struggle, when I feel like I don't have the answers, I just sing. I just take a few moments, I just sing, and it just brings me back. Now, again, I don't sing it in the grocery store. <laughs> just under my breath and my heart just refocuses me, brings my attention back. You're constantly worried and you're constantly sad you are living your life in praise of the wrong thing. Gotta worship God. God is more important to us than anything else. He is our deepest desire. His inherent worth is beyond anything else we hold dear. And finally, the question, am I actually communing with God? Now we're gonna receive communion here in a second. And again, I said it off the top, just don't do the religious version. Listen, I have done this a lot in my life. 
a lot. Any, any church kids out there? It's like, you know, if we could stack up the wafers, stack, <laughs> right? And so it could just become a thing that we do at the end of the service, but we're actually supposed to be communing with God, getting my heart, getting my mind, thinking about God, attached, intertwined. Psalm 27, verse seven, hear my voice when I call or be merciful to me, answer me. My heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. God, my savior. Nobody else is your savior, friends. No politician, no thought that you could think, no emotion that you can feel, no thing offered in culture. None of those things are gonna save you, but God, the creator God, the savior God who sent his son because he loves you can save you from what you are in can bring you out, can heal it, can fix it, can change it. This is who he has revealed himself to be in Christ. Though my father and mother forsake me, which would be the worst thing, the Lord will receive me. They might be gone, but the Lord isn't friends. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Now this word, this Hebrew word here, wait, doesn't mean, you know, just, I'm just waiting for you to do something, God. It means to be intertwined with him. In other words, his strength, when we intertwine ourselves with him, his strength becomes our strength. So when I give my attention, when I give my worship, when I give my focus to God, I receive who he is. And this is what we want, Right? Because all those things I mentioned earlier is just a lot of us. And more of us could be depressing, right? More of our imperfections and our struggles and our mistakes, all of that can just depress us. But more of God never does. More of God always changes us for the better. More of God always moves us to the image of Christ. More of God helps us to experience his salvation, forgiving, healing power. Let's receive communion together today. The elements are there under the seat in front of you or if you're on the front row, they're there by the leg of your chair. If you are a follower of Jesus today, we invite you to receive communion with us. If you're visiting with us, you don't have to feel pressured to do this today. Luke 22, and here's, here's why we do this. Verse 19, at the Last Supper, Jesus was with 
his disciples. And that's no minor thing, because what we're supposed to remind ourselves is that he is with us right now by God's spirit. We're not just doing the wafer and the juice thing. God is here with us. If you need the instructions, there's a top cellophane piece that holds the wafer. You can just take that out and hold it. So this is supposed to tell us a story. When we hold these things, supposed to remind ourselves, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The ultimate expression of love is giving. Here Jesus is giving his life for us. He's gonna lay himself down on the cross and there's no greater love than that. There's no greater thought coming from culture than what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so I give all of those thoughts from culture away they are not worth thinking about, but I'm gonna think about the one who created me and that loves me so much to die for me. Jesus went to the cross. The scripture says he took stripes on his back, Isaiah 53. And it says, by his stripes, we are healed. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are supposed to be reminded, Jesus said, remember me, that Jesus is a healer. So today we can be reminded of the fact that if we are facing sickness and disease in our bodies, let's not just do something by rote this morning, but let's remind ourselves that God's power is greater than any sickness and disease. And we were talking about emotions earlier. Scripture says that he heals the brokenhearted. If your emotions have been through the ringer, God, who is a spirit, can heal those spiritual wounds that we have, those emotional things that we have. So we never wanna be afraid to let God in. So let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he died on the cross, that he took stripes on his back so we could be healed. So we just open ourselves wide today to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your healing power working in us, the top of our heads, the soles of our feet. And we magnify you as our healer. And we thank you that you are our healer today. We thank you, Lord, that your power is undoing something the devil has done in our lives, that your power is greater. So we just breathe in your spirit today. We just breathe in your power. We just breathe in your love. God, and we just pray, Lord, for someone today who has been betrayed and their heart is broken. God, we open ourselves up to you today that you will never hurt us. That you are always there. Come what may. In the highs and the lows, regardless of the circumstances, that you never leave us or forsake us. So we thank you, Lord, that you are healing hearts today in this room. That you are healing emotions 
your healing brokenness. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's eat together. You can open up the bottom portion. Jesus said at the Last Supper, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So the new covenant says that Jesus has completed all for us, that there's no more sacrifices to be made, no more animal sacrifices, that Jesus was the final sacrifice for us to actually have a relationship with God. And for us to have that relationship with God is with a holy God is that he washes away our sin. So the juice this morning reminds us that the the shed blood of Jesus washes away our sin. It is the thing that makes us righteous. It is the thing that enables us to stand in the presence of a holy God. So when we have sinned and we have messed up, we don't run from God. We remember that forgiveness has been given to us. So let's just pray today, God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the shed blood of Jesus, that it washes away our sin, washes away our past, that our past mistakes don't define us anymore, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus. So we thank you for your forgiveness today. We thank you, Lord, for your righteousness that you give us. And in this moment, if you have never said yes to Jesus, this is a really good time to do so. God, I say yes to your righteousness today. I say yes to your love. I say yes to the sacrifice of Jesus. I say yes to a relationship with you. I say yes to your righteousness, God. thank you for the shed blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. Let's drink together. The team is actually going to lead us in one more song, so you can put that cup down. You can stand up with them.
if you made a decision to follow Jesus today as we were praying there earlier, or you rededicated your life to Christ, we would love to know about it. We actually have some materials that we would love to put into your hand. If you just head out to the lobby at the info desk, one of our team members is there and they will be happy to give you those materials. If you made a decision online today, if you just email us at info at we will get those same materials into your hands. Well, thank you for coming to church today on this long weekend. It's great to see you all again. It's great to be relieved of some of my duties at home because for sure, if I wasn't preaching this morning, Nicole would have me doing something. Uh, So thank you. Just to remind you, we have our carnival uh, on Friday from 6 to 8. Now, our interns have planned this whole thing. And so it's pretty exciting. When's, what did I say? See, I told you, preachers aren't perfect. Wednesday, 6 to 8, which is also my wife's birthday. And under duress, I'm apparently going to be in the dunk tank. I know Nicole is super excited about this. So if you have some unresolved feelings towards me, whatever. You didn't work it out this morning in service. <laughs> Maybe in the dunk tank on Wednesday. <laughs> but you could sign up for that on the website. Um, I or can they do it in the room too? And out there? Let's see, I've been on. No, online only. You can sign up for the event. Don't miss it. It's going to be a great time. I feel like I'm forgetting something. I'm forgetting something. There's also something, I'm bringing back the handshake today. So I'm going back to the door. I'm not doing fist pump this morning. Okay. If you don't want to shake my hand, don't give me one of these, okay? Just, Just walk past me. I won't be upset at you. Thanks for coming to church this morning. We'll see you next Sunday. For all my attention, part two, you're dismissed.